0: Right. Yeah, this this computer is much cheaper than this computer. The only reason why it's better is because I I put a solid disk drive. In. I bought it for 300 bucks. And then I dropped it, broke the hard disk drive, and put a solid state drive in it. And it was fine. It was like a brand new computer that like, much faster. Like we should put a solid disk drive in that one. That? Yeah. this sermon today, by the way, lifting up holy hands, lifting up holy hands. okay, what well, tells us in the book of Psalms, it says, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, lift up your hands in the holy sanctuary and bless the Lord, that's what we want to do today, we want to bless the Lord in the sanctuary, you know, if we're going to bless God, we have to know something about God. We get obviously an introduction to God in the Bible. It's not our own imaginations. It's not what we think. We know who God is by who and what He says about Himself. Now, in the Book of Genesis, you don't have to turn this, but by way of introduction, you remember when Adam and Eve had sinned,
1: and then they sowed fig leaves
0: upon themselves to hide, as it were, their sins from God. And it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking. In the cool of the garden of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord. Exodus 3 Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not being consumed. And Moses said, I'm going to turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, "Do not come near. Take the sandals from off your feet, for the ground that you stand on is holy ground." In the book of Joshua, chapter five. I have to confess, I forgot my notes today. <laughs> so I am noteless and totally dependent on you, Lord. <laughs> and you know, Lord is very much helping as well. Book of Joshua, chapter five. I need my own Bible to find this verse. The Lord tells him to take off the Oh, Here we go. Verse thirteen. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, "Are you for us?" Or for our adversaries. And he says, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Who is this? This is none other than Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate appearance. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy, holy. And Joshua did so. Now we want to turn to our portion for the day. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> Guide your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. So they,
1: for they do not know what they are
0: doing evil.
1: They do not know that they are
0: doing evil. Verse 2. Be not rash with your mouth. Nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. I want to stop right there. May the Lord have his blessings in the reading of his word. I have something to say to you. Say Say, it on what would it have been like for Israel like, to go to the house of God? What was that? We showed that last week that they would have gone to the temple, the temple of the Lord. What went on in the temple? What was the drawing card, so to speak? Well, day and night, there were offerings that were being burned in the temple. They had the morning and the evening sacrifices, and sacrifices that people brought in daily. So you would see smoke rising constantly, above the tabernacle or above the temple. you would, When you would enter in, you would hear the noise of all of the trumpeters that would be sounding with all the various musical instruments that accompany this amazing ensemble. When we get in Psalm 150, these are the instructions that are given of the kind of noise that they are supposed to make when they enter into the house of the Lord. And this is what people would be hearing. Praise the Lord. Praise God. His sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to the excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sounds. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipes. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashes. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine going into that temple, that excitement, that joy, that spirit? that must have filled that place. God is in the house. It is being filled with an aroma and with a great sense of God's presence. Imagine what it must have been for an Israelite to go in the presence of God like that. Take you off the shoes from off your feet, for the ground where on you stand is holy ground. Now, holy ground doesn't necessarily mean that there's this stiffness and there's this over sort of rigidness of of a distance and alienation from this God. No, for us, it's a personal God. We draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience in our bodies washed with pure water. That's an amazing thing that we can approach God with such boldness, in, which such, in such confidence. Well, we're not anymore in the land or in the time period of the children of Israel when there was only one place that you could go on earth where you could say the name of the Lord was placed. Now it's, as Jesus says, it's changed. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Where is that 515 Denison Drive right now? Do you believe that? Where the two or three are gathered together in my name, that's a promise that he makes. He says, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. And it's going to be like that until the second coming of Christ, when we'll be with him in person. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's an amazing feature when the church comes together to church that the Lord Jesus assures us of his presence with us. And many verses could be uh, given to prove that very fact. Now, lots of churches have marquees on their signs outside, and I want to give you an example of one, if I can get it over to the next slide. Do we have to, Okay, there we go. Now here's a sign that says, join us for worship. Who is the invitation given to. Join us for worship. Let's set the record straight. First of all, this church, any church should be like this, but this church invites and welcomes everybody under the sun. No matter what their lifestyle is, no matter what their record might be, no matter matter how many prison sentences they've had in their life, it's open to All. Because Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And there's not a righteous, no, not one. So we who are saved, we have nothing to boast about. You are what you are by the grace of God. But certainly there is an invitation to all to come. But not all can worship. You must be born again, right? You've got to be saved. to have the spirit of God dwelling in you with a desire to want to worship the true and the living God. I have a verse that I put up here to kind of magnify that point, that the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs fifty-eight. It goes on to say in verse 9, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. And verse 26 says, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. Yet we still say to them, come and join us. But there's a limit on this word here, worship. There's a restriction upon that. The Bible says we are the true worshipers who worship God in spirit. Because why? Because we have the circumcision. Jesus said these words, This people draws near unto me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Their worship is meaningless teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. Their worship is meaningless. You know, when you want to get into a certain place sometimes, there's a requirement to get in. If you were going to go to a water park, six flags, you have to have a band on your hand, don't you? Or if you go to a theater, you need to have a ticket to get in. I remember one time I was with a uh, a brother in the Lord and he had gone to Manchester, England to learn how to make, build actually, violins. And when he returned to the country, he heard about me that I lived in the Boston area that I was a brother in Christ. He called me on the phone. He said, brother, I have some violins that I built that I'd love to sell. Do you think you could bring me to some of the Boston music stores? I said, sure. Well, we looked them up. There was about three different ones that we went to. And he couldn't obviously bring his violin in, but he would try to talk to what he thought would be mainly musicians who would be going to these stores. Well, the last one we went to, we happened to bump into somebody who was a player in the Boston Symphony Orchestra, which was a shock. To him more than me, because I'm not a music man whatsoever. I love music, I love to praise the Lord, but I have no music talent whatsoever. Well, anyway, my friend was telling him about his musical instrument, about the violins that he had made. he said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. He says, We have a performance later today, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get you guys in. And his, his, my friend's name was Paul. He says, Paul, bring your violins in, and I'll have you introduced all the violinists in the Boston City. <laughs> so he said, now meet us on the side door and I'll have some security cards for you that you can put around your neck so you'll be able to get in. So that's exactly what happened. He met us right at the time that he said he came up, the side door gave it to us, we we're able to walk right in and we walk right into the practice room, the changing room if you want if you will of all these musicians, there were dozens of different musicians playing various instruments. I don't know, there had to be maybe 30 to 40 of them, and they're all getting ready, like basketball, you go into your labs before game time. Well, this was their warm-up before game time. So we're going from violinist to violinist, showing, you know, letting them try it out and give their opinions. He, he didn't sell it. That, that's making a long story short. He never got a sale. But what to me was so exciting, and again, I'm not a musician, right? But I just said, "Wow, this is sacred ground in a way. To be here, how many musicians would love to be around these these experts? You know, these are the finest of the finest." So we stayed in in the back room as long as we could. We knew that it was getting near the time when the performance was about to begin, and everybody was getting in their place. And I said to Paul. Hey, let's hang in a little bit longer in the back. I want to see what this looks like when the curtains get opened up, <laughs> and it was, a, you know, and, a, and the music started booming, and the place was just filled with the music just blasting, and it was glorious. And then all of a sudden, those huge curtains open up, and you see thousands of people out there, and just, and we their tacos, and then we had the duck <laughs> But just to get in there was an amazing privilege. But we were able to get in because we. Security tags that we badges, if you will, that we were able to get get inside with. What do you think it takes to get into the presence of God? We read in Ecclesiastes about the fool, the evil man, the one that cannot really say anything in the presence of God. The Bible talks about those that get in have to be there with a certain garment on. And there was one that did not have a garment on. What garment was that? A wedding garment. Had to be robed with a robe that speaks of the righteousness of Christ in order to be into the presence of the Lord. That's what—that's what's required. I hope you have that robe. I hope you trusted Christ in Him only for your salvation. My hope on nothing less is built than Jesus and the blood spilt. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on His blessed name. On Christ, the solid rock, and I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. But you know, if you want to look at polls, oftentimes they're so misleading, in times especially when they try to tell you how many Christians live in a certain country, for instance, or how many people go to church, how many Christians attend, and so on. I want to show you some examples of where people have been given sort of the right to be called a Christian when they have no right internally said a couple of weeks ago when we had uh, three people baptized, that to be baptized, one must have not been indoctrinated, but illuminated. You've got to be justified before you can be baptized. You've got to be circumcised in the heart before you can be baptized in the water. That's not often the case in Christendom. Now, Christendom is composed of all those that claim to be a part of general Christianity. All the various denominations that classify themselves as being Christians. The biggest of all of the denominations would be, what is your guess? Catholicism, right? 1.1 billion people in the world are associated with Catholicism. 250 million in the world are associated with Orthodoxy. Orthodoxy, Eastern Orthodoxy, is composed of 14 different branches, or autocephalous churches they're called, like in Serbia, Bulgaria, Albania, Greece, Russia, etc. There are 14 of them. And I want you to look at some of their standards of what is a Christian. next slide, There we go now here's the catechism of the Eastern Orthodox Church about baptism baptism is central to these denominations and in this denomination this is taken right out of the catechism book that I have a copy of says this, baptism is a sacrament which one cleanses us from original sin two gives us a new life of grace three makes us Christians, what does baptism makes us Christians? Baptism makes us children of God. Baptism makes us what heirs of the kingdom of God. Can you see how a system like this manufactures Christians? A priest that I've been meeting with talking about baptism of biblical baptism versus baptisms like this. I said, it's like putting babies on the assembly line and just running them through the system, and they become sort of automatically classified by going through the sacrament a Christian. Now Let's talk, take a look at the Catholic Church, for instance, and in their catechism. Next slide. Oops. There we go. The catechism of the Catholic Church, right out of the catechism book. Baptismal water is consecrated by prayer. So the water itself, it's not ordinary water, the water itself, they believe, has grace powers contained within them to perform the mystery that comes as a result of the baptism, which is the following. The church asks God, that's in prayer, that through his son, that the power of the Holy Spirit may be sent upon the water. There's expectation that there's going to be a sanctification of the water by prayer. Now, this sounds very holy and pious, but there's no biblical pre- uh, precedence for this whatsoever. This is a man-made system. Baptism is the source of that new life in Christ. In baptism, all sins are forgiven. Original sin and all personal sins. Wow, that's serious. Baptism for what? The forgiveness of sins, of original sin, and personal sins after your, your uh, infancy, as well as all punishment for sin. This individual does not even have to believe the gospel. Doesn't need to repent. Doesn't need illumination. Just have to be baptized, and you get all these benefits. It's almost like automatic. How shameful. It not only purifies from all sins, but also makes the child a new creature. An adopted child of God. Oh, we have so many scriptures that could contradict how someone becomes a new creation of Christ. How someone becomes an adopted child of God. And who has become a partaker of the divine nature. And lastly, a member of Christ in a temple of the Holy Spirit. What percentage of Christendom is in the two categories of Eastern Orthodoxy and Roman Catholicism? If one is dependent on this system of baptismal regeneration, then what's happened is that there's a manufacturing of people in becoming Christians. So that your lifestyle after the baptism, as you grow up, is insignificant, really, to the fact that you've been water baptized. And these benefits have been bestowed upon you by the miraculous, what's called expo operato that the mystery of grace working through these elements that produces these kinds of benefits to the recipient. This is Christendom. I was a part of Christendom. I was in these categories. I thought I was a Christian because I went to church sometimes. I was baptized as a baby. I took the Eucharist from time to time, prayed, etc., etc., but I was never born again. That made the whole difference between being truly a child of God and one that can really lift up his hands in the sanctuary, who's enjoying the presence of God. You know, interestingly, um, in the Orthodox Church, which is the church that I grew up in, I had to to check this out. uh, because of my memory, I wanted to be sure I was right about this, but they have what is called a liturgy, which is similar to a mass. There's an organization in the system, and liturgy simply means a service of worship, if you will. And at a certain point in the service, the priest or the deacon will say out loud these words, the doors, the doors, catechumens, the it. And at that point, Back in the day, probably in the 6th, 7th century, way back, 1,500 plus years ago, they would have what was known as doorkeepers or gatekeepers. Sometimes they were women even. They would go and open the doors to let out the catechumens. They're told in the liturgy, depart, depart, catechumens. And at that point, the catechumens depart. What's a catechumens? A catechumen is someone who is being catechized. To be catechized means to be instructed or indoctrinated, and in this case, indoctrinated in the Christian faith. Now, there's some marriage to catechizing. I'm not against that at all, necessarily. And the point I'm trying to point out is that why then do they say catechumens depart? We have the sign that says, All welcome, join us in worship. Had humans departed? Yeah. Because you know, right after they departed, is when they said the decree. The was the, the Nicene Constantinoplean creed that they would recite. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and the things visible and invisible, and so on. And one Lord Jesus Christ, who was for our sins crucified, and was buried, and rose again, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, they cannot be allowed to stay there to say that then I have to kind of take my hat off to that and say, boy, well, there's something about, it, some truth about that. Because the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I want to be able to speak what I believe, what in truth I believe. Can I really look at those words and say, I believe that Christ, for me and for my sins, died in my place, was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. If I have not yet been born again, Words have no genuine, in-depth meaning in my soul. But when you convert that makes all the difference in the world. Now you become like Jesus says: God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You can't worship God in truth unless you have the Holy Spirit of God within you. And those of you that are born again, I, I take it that many, if not all, or many of you all here. Have the Holy Spirit of God within you, who creates within you a desire to want to give glory and honor and praise to Jesus Christ. And when you get into the sanctuary, you want to bow the knee. You want to take off your shoes. Can you imagine what it must be like? I remember one of the Ocean City conferences, one of the brothers, he was a president of, of uh, I think it was the Southeastern uh, Baptist Seminary down, I think, in Georgia. And at the place is packed, and he says, can you imagine if those doors in the back opened and Jesus himself walked right down here and he stood right in the front and turned around and looked at you all? What would your reaction be to that if Jesus Christ himself came into this very room with his personal, physical presence with us? Boy, that really sent some chills up my spine made me examine myself and say, what do I really think about Jesus? What does he really mean to me? And when does the Lord meet with us in the sanctuary? As as the psalmist says, I was glad when they said, let us go up into the house of the Lord. (coughs) God, your steps, Solomon writes, when you go to the house of God where the two or three gathered together in his name. Now Solomon himself wouldn't have had what Jesus later tells us, but nevertheless, the truth is the same. The house of God symbol, if you will, of the, then the Old Testament has a very similar representation for us. You see, some people come into a church, other people come to church, to do churching, I mean. We're not here just to be entertained. We're not here just to give a good sermon or hear a good sermon. We're here to praise the Lord. We're here to give something to God. Not just to get, but to give. Think of it that way. I love to hear the word as much as you do, too. I love to hear a good message. I hope I can go out of the building, edified and encouraged and, and, and invigorated from the word. But I also hope that I can go away with the Lord saying, "It was, I'm glad you came to me. I don't mean that irreverently. But I mean, what do we bring into the presence of the Lord? That's what the scripture talks about. How we approach the Lord. It's not just him approaching us, if you will, it's how we approach him. What do we have to offer up to the Lord? It says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving praise to his name. When when we sing the words that we sing in these songs, are they generating praises to the Lord? Can we really put ourselves in the meaning of those words and from our heart? Worship really means to kiss towards. Are we that engaged in worship that we're here to unload the cargo of love that we have for the Lord and praises that we want to place on the altar of his presence with us here today? It says in 1 Peter two five, you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We are living stones, not dead. Remember the Lord says God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. You and I were once dead in trespasses and sins. If we came into a church like this, It would be boring to us. It would be dry. We would be dead. We can't really relate to that. But we've been made alive in Christ. So therefore the word, the songs, the singing, the prayers, the praises, it's all meaningful to us. We're bringing our sacrifices into the courts of the Lord. We're carrying what our praises. We're laying our perfume as it were in His presence. We're bringing our gold and our silver and our precious stones and we're laying them up Lord. God, your steps when you go to the house of God to draw, to, draw near, to, to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they are doing evil. be not rash with your mouth nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God for God is in heaven and you are on earth there's one example I can think of in the Bible who somebody in the temple of the Lord if I can call it that the tabernacle was at that time was Hannah. When she went in, and remember she was she was barren and she had no child and she prayed to the Lord and her lips were moving, but there was nothing, no sound coming out of her voice. And remember what Eli the priest thought? Thought she was drunk, right? That fat high priest thought she was drunk. <laughs> That's what it says. He was way overweight. He fell off the stool and he broke his neck. He was not a deserving high priest, unlike our high priest, whose eyes are in every place, who sees everything that takes place, and hears everything that's said, and even our prayers. But the Lord heard the prayer of Piano. Here she is in the temple praying. Praying. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You have to have that righteousness of the Lord, to be able to offer to him. You know, it's a hot season right now. We're still in that heat wave, I guess. I hope many of you have air conditioning in your homes. Some of you don't. I know you're suffering badly. You've got to be, unless you're living in the cellar, I suppose. But, um, some I, I know that the, uh, it usually happens that the air conditioners just fly off the shelves in the stores because people just can't take the heat, and they, they want relief. And when you go to buy one and you're looking at uh, well, how much how much space is this air conditioner going to give for coolness and they have what called the BTUs and that depending on how much space you want to cool up it's going to depend on how much money you spend on the size of your your air conditioner I suppose but those BTUs what does it stand for anybody know give me a what is that oh good. It's the energy that we're capable of giving off. You know, every one of us have a beat to you if you will about us. That is, we are born again with a spiritual desire to worship God. As a matter of fact, that's the highest calling that we have in our receiving of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We always think, and I'm always in for this, is spreading the gospel, telling others that they've got to be saved, that they've got to be born again. After I could say my parents went down to Florida, I turned their house into a gospel crusade. I invited the Catholic <laughs> priest, I invited a chaplain to the college. We had 70 people come up. I want to spread the gospel because I get saved out of the innermost partial full rivers of living water. That's something we want to do. And it's a wonderful thing. The Bible said, out of the mouth of, the, the mouth of a righteous man is the well of life. You have the coin, the silver coin in your mouth that hopefully people will hear the message of salvation from you, that silver message that will bring life into their souls. It's an awesome privilege. But even above that, above that, which is a very noble thing to be able to spread the gospel, but it's to be able to worship God. Worshippers of God. That's why the Bible says, let your request be made known to God with what? Thanksgiving. With praise. It's not just, our prayer life should not just consist of a laundry list of things that we pray for. I'm not against that. But I'm saying, let's mingle it and maybe put above all of the requests. Thank you, God. Thank you for revealing yourself to me. You are an awesome God. You are a created God. You are a mighty God. You are above all things. All creation belongs to you. You are a sovereign Lord. Those are the kind of things that we want to give thanks to God for. And that's what God expects from us. But we often become so self-centered that we're more interested in what God can do for us rather than what we can bring praise to God for Himself and all that He should mean to us personally. You know, the good thing about this is, I don't have to teach you this. You know it. Because the Bible says, they shall be all taught of God. That's what's so different about real Christianity, being a real Christian, true Christian, versus one that's been just indoctrinated into Christianity. The Lord says, I will dwell in them and walk in them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So out of our innermost pots should flow well, first and foremost a desire to praise the Lord. And if your life is not filled with praise, there's going to be something lacking in your life. You might become very disenchanted with the kinds of answers that you're getting to your prayers. Maybe because there's so much weight put into the prayer request that little is put into the praise desires to go up to God. Let's praise Him. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 34, verse 1 says. Do you have something to praise the Lord for? Not because you're healthy, wealthy maybe. You've got a good job. You have a good family situation. you got all these good things in life. Amen to all of that. But can we just say, thank God for God. Thank you, Lord, for you. Thank you for making you into my life. Entering into my life and changing my life. So that when circumstances change and things are rough and I'm in the valley, I can still say, Lord, you're over all of this. I can go to your sanctuary and lift up my hand and give you praise. Job started off, well, as you know, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord took away, blessed be the name of the Lord. He would say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And here he was suffering in infirmities. He had lost all these different things, and he still was willing to bow down and to worship and praise the Lord. That's the way we want to enter into the sanctuary. Now, the sanctuary, if I can expand that a little bit, is it's your closet, too. It's not just when we church together,
1: which is an awesome
0: place and an important point, because your BTUs is feeding into me. And my feet to you is hopefully it's feeding into you, and together the spiritual energy from the Lord is chill, is warming our up. We need each other. One we'll get to this for well, we already did get to this verse in chapter four, where it says, one cannot be warm alone. One cannot be warm alone. Two is better than uh two is better than one, and three is better than two, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. We need that kind of communion, brothers and sisters with each other, to build each other up in our most holy faith. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. There's a similarity, obviously. Yeah. It's, that's a very difficult person to commentators as well, but a little bit, uh, kind of dumbfounded, like, what does it mean here? Apparently a person that has a lot of work is someone that has a lot of dreams. I guess, uh, I don't know how many of you, do you y'all you remember your dreams in the morning when you wake up? But I bet all of us dream every night to some degree. I've noticed, this is just a personal thing, that when I start to doze off, I start to dream. My guess, see if I'm right, man? That's always with me at least. I know sometimes you have a hard time going to sleep, and then all of a sudden you start to realize, like, something's starting to change. And you start having these crazy thoughts. And then, <laughs> I I can't describe You know what I mean? You're the same body as I uh, but they, they, I can almost say, good night, because I'm ready to sign off for the night, at least in a while, I should say. It's funny how that works. But the Lord says, right here, a dream comes with much business. Busy people often have more dreams, apparently, and a fool's voice with many words. Uh, words are important. The Bible says, how forcible our right words? Now, that doesn't mean that your prayer life has to be inhibited. Even public prayer or private prayer does not have to be diminished because you cannot pray with great articulation. It's not required. Praise the Lord that he hears the heart, and he searches the heart, and he knows, he knows what's within us, and he captures those thoughts. So it's not that our words are vital. It's more the thought behind the words the inward man that really desires what what needs to be said before the Lord. But a fool's voice with many words. My overall point is to try to say in the sanctuary, we lift up our hands. Now we may not physically lift them up. We're not really a lifting up hands church. um, Whatever. We all have different kind of compositions. And there's some that are a little more frisky. I guess some of them are a little more conservative. You know, whatever. but I think all of us inwardly should have that fervency of wanting to praise God, even if it's in quietness and in uh, solitude, if you will. they're still ascending from your heart praise to God. So when an Israelite would go into the temple, there was constantly day and night something burning. One was called the uh, the, uh, the burnt offering sacrifice. That they had it burning all day long, so this smoke would ascend constantly before the Lord. Well, that's what our hearts should be like. They should always be smoky as it were, bringing a sweet savor of Christ into the presence of God. That is our highest desire and object of our salvation, is to be worshipers of God. And God has created you to be there. Before that, we worshipped ourselves, We worship people, we worship things. We were all idolaters, you could say. But now that we've got Christ, we shall have no other gods before us. He's our only God. He's the object of our affection. There's no subject so glorious as he and no theme so affecting to us than the Lord Jesus Christ. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise of God to God continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Let us be ones that really understand and appreciate what it means to lift up our hands in the sanctuary. Right out of the psalm, I will lift up my hands in the sanctuary unto the Lord. Let's bow our heads and have a word. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for the miracle of the new birth that Lord, you took out of us, O oh God, those selfish, sinful ways. And you replace them, O oh God, with things above. So that, Lord, we don't have to be so earthly minded. We can be very much so heavenly minded. We can bring you, O oh God, the praises that you are so worthy of. And we can renounce those things, O oh Lord, that only brought you dishonor and shame. That was such a poor testimony to you, O oh God, of how we mind your creation, Lord, and the ways in which we live. Thank you, Lord, for the miracle of conversion that has given us, O oh God
1: a desire
0: for you. And may we have, like the psalmist says, my heart's desire in prayer. May we have those desires of prayer. As the psalmist says, one thing of my desire is the Lord, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For yeah. truly, Lord, a day and I courts is better than a thousand. And may, O oh God, we appreciate the value of us, your people, coming together in one place, and forming the spiritual body of Christ, a holy temple, a holy place and we Lord as your holy priests can offer up to you the spiritual sacrifices that bring glory and honor to your name. And Lord if anyone in this room doesn't know you Lord we pray that they would flee to the cross that they would behold the Lamb of God and recognize Lord what has taken place there at Calvary that they might ask themselves a question did he die for me? Did he suffer in my stead? Were my sins nailed to the cross? Oh, God, thank you that we don't preach baptism. We don't preach any other sort of sanctified regiment or ritual or right, Lord, that can take away sin, but it's only the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Oh, Father, give people eyes to see this. Show them, Lord, the way of salvation. Open their hearts, not, Lord, that they would hear, so, that, oh God, they would come to saving faith in Jesus. Our loved ones, Lord, young or old, whoever they may be today, that don't know you, Lord, we pray that they would be called to the altar of Calvary and behold the Lamb and trust him for their salvation. Here I cry, Lord, and we give you glory and honor in the sanctuary in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Mm-hmm. stand. Mm-hmm.